Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Venture not into the forge waters with a weak constitution. Our goal be fortune and renown, and our aim be at the hearts of those what would stand in our way. If you be so bold, then it's all hands on deck as we set sail on perilous tides. Hey everybody, Rev here. We hope that you are enjoying your time with Perilous Tides. Uh, just a reminder that next week, in addition to the Q&A for Season 2, you're also going to get Part 5 of Perilous Tides because it went a little bit longer than we expected. If you're enjoying Perilous Tides and you want to follow along with the story of the crew of The Wandering Star, you can head over to patreon.com slash thecritshow and the $5 tier gets you access to the RSS feed, which will give you Hero Salad, Investigate the History, Tales from the Omniverse, and starting on the 26th, the continuation of Perilous Tides. In addition to continuing on with the story of Perilous Tides, Whistler, the creator of the game, was generous enough to offer us the option to use the updated game as they playtest it and adjust the rules in the playbooks. So we are actually going to continue the story and incorporate the updates to the game mechanics as they go. So that means that even starting with episode six, we're going to go over it a little bit. There are some new adjustments to playbooks. There are new playbook moves. There's a playbook that you get to choose for ships. There are all kinds of little updates that have happened. Uh, and as we play through the story, we're going to incorporate them as Whistler sends them to us. So you can kind of see how the game grows and progresses with us as we play through the story. So again, if you'd like to spend some time with us on The Wandering Star, just head over to patreon.com slash thecritshow. And if you do decide to join, make sure, even if you don't have it yet, if you've never used it before, get Discord. It is an amazing group of people, so we hope to see you there. And with that, it's time to let the recap roll. Previously on Perilous Tides. It's here. She's here. I don't know what she's going to tell you, but if you take it, I know you're going to be hunted by more than just the Navy. And there is a small woman with hair made of dozens of snakes. What can I do for you? All we want is whatever the treasure is that you're guarding, and then we can be on our way. And that beautiful chest that was drawn on the missives is there. The spot where it's obvious that a treasure chest opens kind of splits all the way around. And all that it bears to you are hundreds of very sharp teeth. Okay, so if we do what the chest wants, which is returning it to the queen, but Hodge and the witch say that that's a bad thing, correct? I mean, great evil sounds pretty vague. How bad is this going to be if, if she gets her hands on it again? I... Simply know that in either of the hands from which it came or to where it goes, it would be the first step in something much worse. The problem we're dealing with is we're trying to solve an equation that we don't have all the numbers for, and the only way we know what we're actually dealing with is seeing what's inside of this thing. Open her up. I'm going to kill you. I don't want to. I simply want to see what you have inside of you. I don't want to take it from you, but you've given me no choice. Just know I would preserve you if I could. You are magnificent. I pull the trigger, and I'm going to walk over to it and pry it open. You lift up the tongue, and underneath is an ornate plague doctor mask. 
and it is in the shape of an owl. Sayer holds the mask of the owl, the plague doctor captain from the wings of life. There's a quick flurry of motion from Griva, the witch, as a piece of cloth is tossed through the air over the face of this mask. For the first time, she's standing, looking worried. It has eyes. There is no telling who is looking through this thing. What, um, what does it do? It's a mask. It hides your face. (laughs) No, I mean, like, Griva knows that it has eyes and somebody could be watching through it. So what else could it do? Do we have any idea? I do not know. I know that this is the mask of the owl. Do you know who this is? Yeah, I know who the owl is. Well, what do you know about him or her? What do I know? Um, You know that uh, the owl is a woman. Um, This just large, square, like broad, brawny seeming woman. Um, But they all, all of the captains stay very covered up. You know, long coats and robes, of course, their masks on, um, heads covered in hoods. So, you know, their actual identity is absolutely obscured. Beyond that, you know, some of the other things that we've already spoken of, uh, for example, her crew, it is this picked clean bone style skeleton, um, you know, while some of the others are more like reanimated flesh or uh, clockwork-esque beings. You know, these are pure magic, so she works heavily with magic as her resurrection technique. I mean, I couldn't tell you much about what she's like socially, but uh, the owl, she deals with a lot of very heavy magic. Her ships are entirely crewed by skeletons. You've seen them. If this is the owls, this isn't just a symbol. This is probably capable of some pretty impressive magic. I do like magic. Do you want to put it on? I'm not going to lie. Yes, very much. Oh, Griva sinks into her seat, just grimacing. What? It is a symbol of evil, of necromancy. I would not put on this thing. You had said the queen would use this mask for evil out of ignorance. This is my guess, yes. So it must have some kind of power. Oh, yes. This thing, it sings of magic. Are the wings of life known for varying degrees of, like, ruthlessness? Yes. Um, it's safe to say that they are. And where does the owl fall on that scale? They're all pretty close to the same spot on the scale. Uh, more than almost any other faction, besides their method, they are kind of on the same page. Anything close to ruthlessness and piracy that they do is solely to forward their work. So it's like if, you know, one captain needs a certain kind of metal for their clockwork creations, they will raid somewhere that has it, uh, and so on and so forth. So the owl is in that same vein, just it would probably be similar things to raiding graveyards for bodies to turn into skeletons, or raiding somewhere that will have spell components and so on. If this thing's so powerful, why isn't she wearing it? Maybe it's a replacement. I don't imagine the owl is out there without their face on. Maybe it was captured from the owl. Maybe the queen and the wings aren't on good terms right now. That would make sense why the skeletons seem to be active here. The owl trying to get her property back. Hodge had also described the skeletons as moving erratically, more mindlessly. This may have something to do with whatever has compelled the mask to be taken. Well, do we want to find out what it does or attempt to hide it away? Is there any way to just, like, study it or tap into the magic to figure out what it does without having to try to use it? Uh, I think that, yeah, technically there are probably ways to find out, but it just, you know, it would take research. You know, you'd have to find people that I know. Uh, You'd have to find people that work with magical things that are masks and see what kind of things they do. Have someone analyze it. I think the Chronicler has moves as well that can give you like magical knowledge. Mm. Yeah. In this world, are we aware of masks having like the power to control people or is it we're aware that they might have just some magical abilities or grant somebody some magical abilities? Is this like the mask one or the mask two? (laughs) (laughs) 
it, no, not in particular. Like masks in particular aren't necessarily something that's overly used for magic, but I mean, lots of things can be. Look, neither the queen nor the owl are going to use a cursed item or anything. Like I'm, I'm guessing there's not really a drawback to whatever this is. It's something extremely powerful. If the queen wants it and she plans to use it, she wouldn't endanger herself to do that. She's way too far up her own ass. So I think we should try this motherfucker on and see what it does. I've just had to kill a super cool magical creature. I want something for that. Unless someone is has got a compelling reason not to, I think I'm taking the cloth off, starting to lift it and kind of look through the eyes and do it just slowly. I don't think there's any reason why I would stop you. I'll step up and I'll say, here, I'll, uh, I'll rip it off your face if you start screaming. Oh, good call, good call. Pull from the top. Don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> okay, this is not the first time she's had to pull a cursed mask off of someone. This is not the first time I've had to peel a face yeah, off. You, you do not tell me how to deglove a face, okay? <laughs> oh, no. All right. So Sayer puts it on. Yeah. I think I've just surreptitiously got like my pistol ready to go. Just in case this breaks super bad, I'm going to shoot Sayer through the heart. No offense. <laughs> I've possibly gotten slightly behind Tristan, and I'm just sort of peeking out from like behind his arm. All right. Now everybody calm the fuck down. I'm a trained <laughs> studier of magic and purveyor. <laughs> I'm, of- I'm a trained glances down <laughs> navigator. <laughs> <laughs> I like how uh, the training that goes along with studying magical items is put it on and see what happens. Uh, as you do this, I think you definitely catch Griva from the corner of your eye. Like she is curled up fully in her chair. Even the snakes in her hair are like tightening up to her skull. And then the world goes red as these red lenses are placed over your eyes and the mask fixes to your face. There is a disorienting few moments as your vision seems to split like the eyes of an insect and you see hundreds of tiny, tiny little lenses and analyzing what you're seeing, you're able to essentially focus on one lens and your view zooms in and you're seeing through someone else's eyes, but it's a wide, hollow view of the back of two skeletons that are walking through a forest. And then your vision peels back again and zooms in on another and another and another. And it is evident to you very clearly that you're seeing through the eyes of the owl's skeletons. And there's this very clear sense that at any given moment, these things that you're seeing through will do exactly as you wish. I think that in this moment of realizing that I'm seeing all these tiny viewfinders and feeling like they would listen, I think, turn 180 degrees. And they do. I'm going to try to reach up and pull the mask off. You do? Holy shit. Are you all right? This is amazing. I can see through the eyes of what I assume are all of the owl's skeletons. Some are on ships, some in the forest here, and I thought a command, and they all did it. Do you feel any adverse effects? I think I go through a, like a quick inventory of remembering a couple of important dates, moving my elbows, bending at the knee, feeling my heart rate. For my starstruck weakness, the way that I clear that is make a foolish decision. Would putting on a magical mask without knowing what it is or what it does count as a foolish decision? I think so. <laughs> you feel fine. Absolutely. But as you're standing there holding the mask in your hand, you notice one of the smaller feathers kind of at the corner where it meets the leather of the mask drops off and slowly falls to the floor. Oh, it's molting. It's just like Beauty and the Beast. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe it... No, molting. What is molting? <laughs> oh, when feathers fall off to make way for new ones. Oh, is it going to birth another mask? I don't know. Were you holding it too tightly? No, I don't think so. I don't know. How hard am I supposed to hold a mask? I don't know. Not so hard as to break it. Well, I'll loosen my grip a little on it, <laughs> which I didn't realize until now was white knuckled. <laughs> Uh, Griva perks up, and she's looking at it with a little more curiosity now. It is possible that if this thing was not made for you, and you have used it, that you have just set it on a path of destruction. That's a pretty good defense mechanism. Yes, I have many things like this. You likely have some time before this thing is destroyed. But look, even now, it seems dingy and older. I'll take a closer look at it to see 
like compared to when I first lifted it out of the box? Yeah, I think it looks like not as brand new. Like it had kind of a sheen to it. It looked like, you know, it well, it was pristine. And now it just looks almost faded. Well, we know what it does. We just don't know for how long. What now? I mean, how much control do you think you have over all of us skeleton crews? Do you want to try it? <laughs> kind of now, yes. <laughs> I don't get the feeling that it's bonded to me or anything. It came right off. I'll hold out my hand for it. I'll give it to him. Okay, I want to put it on C. And it is the same. You get this innate sense that you can control what you're looking through. Where are all of them? Like some of them are in the forest out here. Are they all terrestrial? Are any of them like on ships? There are several on ships. Absolutely. I think you even get an innate sort of a direction sense of this. Like, you know, spatially where these things are as you have that thought. And uh, you see that there are at least a few left on about 10 different ships, all of which are um, kind of on the northern side of this island. It's a just a it's just a, you know, kind of a shallow, not much used bay where there aren't really any cities or, or villages. This kicks ass. I feel like I understand the wings of life a lot more now. We could do anything with this. This is a crew bigger than anyone but the Navy has. Be careful. I think this is where we start to get into the do great evil out of ignorance territory Grieva was talking about. And she is nodding along with him. You're ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) Callahan, do you have the sense that they know where you are? Do I? Like, yes and no. It's like they're aware of you, but it isn't an intelligence. I don't think they know anything. Well, I'm just wondering, are all these skeletons here on this island because they know the mask is here or because they knew Hodge was here? No, there's not really a sense of any reason for them to be here. Um, You know, you having given commands through them or, you know, even locating them is what they are being directed by. Like, that is their world now. Do I have any sense of what was controlling them before Sarah put on the mask? Can I figure that out? You do not have a sense of that, but you definitely have the sense that if there is something else that was controlling them, this is trumping it. I don't know. I can't tell anything about them before we put on this mask, but I think we've got them completely. Tristan, do you see the owl? Oh, I want to kind of scan through all the eyes I'm seeing through and see if there's anybody not a skeleton with any of these groups of skeletons. Uh, You see all of about six actual people still on the ships and they are in the same plague doctor robes that you know are similar to the owls with owl-like masks that aren't nearly as ornate as the one that you have on but yeah they're just kind of chilling on the ships you said these ships are at our island right they are at your island i don't see the owl but i see some of her acolytes Tell him to throw them off yes i like where your head's at to what end we've got this giant ship to deal with Let's throw the owl ships and the crew at it. Perfect. Okay. I like that plan. We can use the owl skeleton crews to go launch an attack on the Titan. Have we decided what we're calling it yet? I personally like the big death ship, but... The BDS. Ada, where did you say that shipwright told you all those materials were being sent to? Woolway Haven. If we sailed from here towards there, even if they'd already launched, we'd likely intercept them. So before we kill the acolytes and throw them off... We should probably gather their outfits. Yes, I love it. That way when we launch our attack, we go in as the owl's people, draw attention away from ourselves and the hunt for the pirates. And there'd be no proof it was us. There'd be no proof it was a pirate at all. Um, I would like to see if I can will the pirates to go fucking execute the living people on those ships. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the response is immediate and you watch it happen. These uh, acolytes... Are- are not fighters. They are like, well, they're acolytes. They're scientists in a way, or in this case, more like spellcasters. And they are completely taken off guard and go down. Uh, and then I will give the command to strip their uniforms before they're ruined and keep them and keep them on board. And they do. Well, that's taken care of. We now have our very own ships and skeleton crew for however long this holds up unhindered. I want to look at it as it's on his face and see like, okay, he's just used it twice for commands. I used it once. Does it seem to have sped up the deterioration or do I see more feathers falling off? I think it's still slightly noticeable just that it is 
not decaying exactly, but there's just something wilting about it. But him using it, there wasn't like a burst of that. Okay. It's still the same gradual, yeah, deterioration. Do we have any frame of reference how much time we might have? If one feather has fallen off in the last five minutes, how many feathers are on it? In the pie chart of decay, how much pie is decayed? Oh. A tiny little sliver. You've got, I don't know, I think you could gauge that, like, if you're waiting for the thing's full deterioration, it might be oh, actually like a week or two. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of time. Regardless, we, one, don't know for sure how long we're going to hold this power, and two... Or B, I can't remember if I said one or A. (laughs) (laughs) And two, probably, we don't know when this ship is supposed to leave. And so if we don't intercept it, we're not going to know where it is until it starts destroying pirates. Yes, I still think that time is of the essence. But at least we don't have to worry that this power is just going to expire out from under us before we take action. I'm going to turn and look at Captain Reese. I think we've got a job for you, Reese. Uh, All right. What can I do for you? Take what's left of the chest. It looks enough like what's on the missive. Go to the closest pirate outpost and tell everyone you found it. And it was just this living thing that tried to kill you. Ah, yes. I like that. All right. I'll turn and look at, at the crew with just raised eyebrows. I think that's a pretty damn good way to get people to believe this was a trap and to be on their guard. No, I agree. I like that. That way, if uh, you all fail with your little uh, experiment here, the rest of us will be ready. Uh, Grievous stands up and says, wait, let me do one thing. The integrity of the creature will still be enough for you. And, uh, she pulls a dagger from her boot and goes over to this chest creature and kind of lifts up its top jaw. And she leans in and starts cutting the tongue out of it. Ugh. Mm. Oh, gross. Good eating. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. She cringes and all the snakes recoil a little bit. (laughs) No, no, no. I will make another one. (laughs) What? How? I believe this is a protection demon. Killing it merely keeps it from returning to its home. If I make it into another of this thing, it can complete a purpose and then return. How do you make another one? You find a chest and put the tongue in. Just like repotting a plant. Yes, yes, it is like this. It takes some time, but it will renew and I will give it a purpose. You? Are you sure? I mean, what's there for it to do around here? I do not know. I assume I will think of something by the time it has turned. Now, look, I have created a bit of rapport with this demon. I think that if you were to give me the tongue, (laughs) I could find something for it to do. Uh, do you really want to give it a purpose so that it can move on eventually, or do you just want to have it? I mean, kind of both. I, I'm sure I'll find a purpose for it, but I probably just want to have it. <laughs> it took a while to get there, but it would be pretty... Who who are you lying to? I, myself. We're all, we're all on your side. <laughs> I don't know. If there's if there's an inkling of truth in that, I don't think you need to roll a hoodwink here. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I would give it a purpose. It probably wouldn't be one that would be over quickly. All right. But <laughs> I, I think she nods along with you, as do the snakes. Yes. Yes, this. You see, I've got the whole jury on my side. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are going to do something important. What I saw was a star wandering through the sky that came here. This is how I knew you were coming. As much as I do not like you using this thing, I think it is why you are here. And she holds out a big, gross tongue for you. <laughs> I I will hold my hand out to accept it and slide it into my backpack. Okay. All right. Well, the ships are moored on the north end of the island. Let's uh, go touch base with the crew, our crew. Oh, we should probably send the rest of the crew out. Away? Yes, just to be seen somewhere else. The wandering star was not involved in this. Yeah. One small issue. How are we going to get away after the battle? How do we get back to the star? Maybe we can set up a place for our crew to meet us so we don't have to go all the way back to our ship if we're sending it far away from the fight. So just preserve one of the skeleton ships? Like send nine of them in and keep one back to get us out of there? Yeah, like the smallest one. Yeah, just whatever the fastest one is. All right, let's head back to the star. I would like to hang back for a second and uh, wait 
until everyone else leaves, I, I want to talk to Griba about something. Okay. <laughs> she gives you all parting words and like an awkward best of luck, I think. And everybody goes except Ada. And she tilts her head, as do the snakes. Just one question. That thing that you were saying about uh, giving a demon purpose and then it goes back to where it came from. Does that work for all demons or just that particular type of demon? Just asking um, in the interest of science. She gives you a mean little smile and she gestures to her head. Your demon must have a purpose to be truly useful. I have given many demons homes and the snakes writhe around her head. Be careful. There is a point where you will never be separated. You must choose the correct purpose. I thought having this conversation was going to make me feel a lot better about things. The truth never does. All right, well, that was very informative and also somewhat not. You don't seem like... Well, I guess I wasn't expecting to get a completely straight answer out of you. Thank you. Best of luck. To you as well. <laughs> Ugh, I just imagined Ada with just like a bunch of mouths all over. <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> The others get outside and Hodge and his men stand quickly, expectantly, like almost worriedly. You all right? Yes, we're fine. Okay, well, what now? Unfortunately, she did tell me to kill you. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> joking. You saw how nervous you were before we went in. The gun that he quick drew <laughs> is slowly being put back into place as he relaxes and chuckles. We need you to go with Reese. Oh, come on. Now, listen, this is this is the safe and easy work. You should be grateful for it. What can I do? You're going to take the creature that was the chest and start spreading the word that there was no treasure. It was simply a trap. You're going to start uniting the pirates against the Queen's Navy. Well, that won't take much. All right. Hey, um, did you kill her? Who? The witch. No, why? Oh, okay. I just, you came out with it and don't seem all that perturbed so I, I just assumed but okay I, I i leaned in close should should we have no i kind of have a soft spot for her oh okay no she's fine all right and i'll take the chest and just heave it into reese's arms <laughs> <laughs> oh shit oh, oh it's heavier than it looks yeah very muscular quite dense i didn't think it was that heavy but all right were those both about me <laughs> <laughs> One was about you, one was about the chest. I'll let you decide which one was which. Ah, all right. Well, it, well and how, hold on. One was about... <laughs> and he just starts going down the path. Oh, I love him. All right. I don't think you come across any trouble as you head back down to River's Mouth. Are you just keeping the skeletons where they are, or what What are you doing there? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't think that I'm just wearing the mask this whole time down into town. Sure. But before we get back into civilization, I will pop it back on and give the command for all of them to board their ships and wait. No problem. Uh, You've gotten back. You know the skeletons have started their trek, and it shouldn't take them all that long to get back and repopulate their ships. And you have reached the Wandering Star yourselves. So you have convened with your crew... And kind of giving them the plan. Are, are you giving them somewhere to meet you in X number of days? Or like, yeah, what just what's the plan, y'all? Oh, yeah. What's like a what's like a place near Haven that we could have them wait? Well, and we want to keep them not too close to Warway Haven so that it's not even an option that our ship was involved in this. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, Indigo Isle. Because that's kind of the neck of the woods that he said they'd last seen Hodge in, so it stands to reason that that's where our ship would end up. But it's at least a day away from Warway Haven, so far enough that they couldn't have just like popped over there right after they did the thing. Is that a heavily populated area? Well, I mean, we want to send them somewhere with a lot of visibility for sure. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's close enough to the Queen's waters that there are lots of little towns and stuff there. Um, it is known for its pristine waters uh, and some beautiful waterfalls. I sense a future beach episode. Oh, That's yeah. our vacation spot. So who should we have leave first? Should we leave first? Or should the Wandering Star leave first so that they're already there? How long are we expecting it to take us 
to get to uh, the Haven? About five days. So maybe we leave first and the day before we are expected to hit. We have our ship show up in Indigo Isle so that there wouldn't be enough time for anybody who had seen our ship to get back to where the attack is happening. Because otherwise they have to spend five days, the five days it's going to take us to travel there. Yeah. So I think that we... I mean, we board our own ship and we take off with it so that that is seen and we swing around the north side of the island where there is no one but the skeleton ships. We hop off, board the skeleton ships, let the star go off without us in you know some direction and make their way there and we will follow shortly thereafter. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, so you board the wandering star and already you know that Hodge and Reese are already making their way through River's Mouth even, um, spreading word about this trap and this chest. You're all able to be clearly seen as you take off from the bay and curve up and around to the north side of the island. The owl's ships are there waiting for you, and they picked a damn good spot. It is just this very covered spot near a very jungled beach, um, so there are no prying eyes as you are able to board one of the ten ships here. They're all painted similar to the mask, these mixes of gray, black, and brown, and each has a slightly different figurehead of uh, different kinds of owls. Sayer, as you specifically board this ship, you get a familiar feeling kind of up and down your spine, and this is a compulsion that the ship is giving you an image. Oh, I think I'm I think I'm going to take it. All right. Your vision goes white and then starts to fill in with details and what you see is another time that seems like it's in the captain's quarters of this ship. One of the acolytes is standing at a desk writing a letter and you can see over their shoulder that they are writing your majesty. We have arrived. Hopefully we'll have it soon. And you watch them roll up this letter and pour on a little wax to seal it, and they stamp it with the Queen's seal. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that... We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash show. But all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. So... As this vision rolls over me, it, it is a draining vision. So I think like I come up the gangplank onto this ship and then kind of crumple a little bit and hold onto the railing as the others come aboard. I just saw communication between someone on this ship and the queen. They informed her that they had arrived to pick up the package and would be on their way back to her soon. Well, I, I guess that makes sense if... Hodge stole the mask from the queen, and he didn't put it on. Maybe she had had control of them previously. Just because it was stolen from her, I mean, if if you were able to pass it to Callahan and he could use it, maybe she still retained some sort of power over the crew until you put it on. But it wasn't one of the skeletons, it was one of the human crew. Does this mean that the owl and the queen are allied in some way? Either that, or the queen found a way to get one of her men onto the owl's crew. Did this acolyte seem like they were trying to be sneaky and not let anybody know what they were up to? Or was this a pretty open situation when they were writing the letter? They closed it with a queen's seal, so it doesn't seem like they were trying to hide it. Or at least not hide it from anyone on this ship. But, I mean, they may have been the only one alive on the ship. It may have just been them and a bunch of skeletons. I wouldn't put a pastor to have somebody infiltrate the owl's crew. I mean, that makes more sense than the owl working for the queen, right? I don't know, because if the mask belonged to her and was stolen, but she retained control over the crew, that would mean the mask was made for her. And if this is an item that the owl makes, either she managed to replicate it, or it was indeed made for her by the owl. It never would have crossed my mind that one of the leaders of the Wings of Life could have a price, but I suppose everybody does. 
There's a lot we don't know. Maybe next time we keep some of the acolytes alive for questioning. Mm. That one's on me. (laughs) (laughs) There are the remains of the acolytes on the ships with their outfits all set aside. And the skeletons are just waiting at attention for instruction. Just to confirm, looking at the bodies that are on the ship, none of them are the owl herself, right? None of them seem even close to being that same level of of broad and imposing. Okay. Well, do we want to all ride on the same ship together? Or do we want to spread out and each sort of have our own? I mean, I would miss you guys. (laughs) I don't like the idea of us being separated if for some reason we lose control of these guys. Yes, I'm inclined to agree. That and I think that five days with nothing but silent skeletons might start to wear on one's mental faculties as we traveled. Very well. Uh, what's the most, like, battle-ready-looking ship in this little fleet? Uh, the biggest ship is the Nightshine, and it is clearly, like, this small armada's battleship. And which one looks the fastest? Yeah, there's a a smaller, sleeker ship that you know is probably going to be able to outpace any of the rest called the Shark's Insanity. Okay, so we'll lead the fleet in ourselves aboard the Nightshine. And when we get kind of to the island, but not to the destination, we'll have the Shark's Insanity hang back so that if everything goes wrong in here and all the rest of the ships get sunk, we can roll out, get on that ship and bail. Callahan, you realize that with a simple thought, you can make these crews jump into their actions. Anything that's practiced by them, they're ready. They're ready to follow your navigation and the other ships hop to and are ready to follow. You all start making your way northeast towards Warway Haven. So what are you doing on this trip? Uh, At some point, I want to feed Sarah the suggestion, since he can kind of manipulate the circumstances to maybe give us some kind of weather coverage as we approach so that they don't see us coming and can't just mobilize against us before we ever get there. Yeah, I think this is a little later in the events, but half a day before we get there, uh, I would definitely get up in the crow's nest and, and try. That's awesome. Is anybody else doing anything in particular? I don't think these skeletons will take ink very well, so... Uh, you, don't, you don't know. I mean, it is stick and poke. You can. Yeah. Yeah. You could like my, carve. It's my professional opinion that that's probably going to not be a good use of my time. So I'm probably going to take some time looking over this ship's cannons and familiarizing myself with uh, the defenses that it has established. Okay. Uh, it's fairly standard. They do have lots of basic cannonballs. Um, they have some incendiary cannonballs and they have chain shot. And it's pretty big uh, battleship here. They've got five cannons on each side. I want to maybe see if I can look into wherever the kind of captain's quarters of this uh, of this ship is. I want to. I basically want to loot for magic stuff, essentially. Or I want to. I want to see if there's any if there's any records that uh, that this nightshine was keeping about any uh, any rituals they've been doing, any magical items, perhaps. Um, known locations of other members of the Wings of Life. Oh, gotcha. Files of blood that belong to the owl, just... Yeah, yeah, you know, if they're keeping just like just like a whole chest of vials of blood that they're all nicely labeled, <laughs> that'd be great. You can make that happen. <laughs> There's a fun move that'll make anything you want reality. Funny story about that, I don't have control of that move. Monty does. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> That's true. <laughs> really, mostly what's here are spell components. Uh, It seems like whoever was captaining this ship, aside from being run through, uh, wasn't really doing too much else besides keeping house, so to speak. Um, so yeah, there's, there's not really a lot. There's no, nothing like a journal, um, though there are some books that allude to magic spells, like, uh, some processes for, um, starting necromancy, starting actual resurrection type spells, um, more animation than resurrection, but close enough. Cool. I'll pocket that. Okay. You know what? I I want to see if there is something else hidden uh, in this room. I'm going to try to twist my fate. All right. Roll your spitfire. 
Tell us again how this works. Uh, so, one of the features of my playbook, you begin with all the basic moves except for one that your demon has taken from you. Whenever you use that move, your demon decides the results. We decided that the move that Monty would control would indeed be Twist Fate. Yikes. So do I just decide, like I just pick one and go with it? Or is it still a thing that's rolled? Rules is written. Whenever you use that move, your demon decides the results. I can roll if you'd like me to. I would have interpreted that as you roll it on like the you pick one and the fates pick one. No matter what your result is, Tass is the one picking the questions and answers. I think that works for me. Does that work for you? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Okay, let's see it. That is a seven. As you're really scrutinizing here, you're trying to find what might be hidden. You hear, Monty, I have something for you. All right, what is it? Fish in your pocket. All right, I'm going to reach into the pocket of my cloak. You discover the feel of a thin cloth. Pull it out. It is a handkerchief, and it has Captain Bratton Reese's insignia on it. And Monty giggles through the glove. You know what I think would be fun? What? If we left this in the wreckage at the Haven. Haven't we tortured that poor man enough, Monty? No, he's an idiot. (laughs) I mean, that is true. So you've twisted fate to find this thing. Uh, The implication here is that were you to leave this in in the wreckage of, of whatever it is that you're about to do, if it's discovered, the crosshair is going to be on Reese and not your group. As I'm sure you can imagine, this is your bedeviled compel. You can stand your ground against it if you like, but you don't have to. Oh, man, I'm going to try to. All right, so stand your ground reads as when you stand your ground in the face of a compel, you must spend... X bond with someone relevant. Explain how they're helping you overcome yourself and roll with that bond. On a hit, you've escaped your vices. On a seven to nine, choose one. And those are, you take a weakness, you permanently lose rank equal to the bond you spent, or you are in a worse position than before. All right, so I have bond with two people. One is Monty, who I don't think would help me in this situation, and the other is Tristan. I say, you know what, Monty, that sounds really fun, but I'm already in a bit of hot water with Tristan in terms of listening to you when I should kind of be listening to him, and so I'm not sure that this is a good idea. And I'm going to try to stand my ground using uh, my bond with Tristan. Okay. Boxcars. Oh, yeah. Okay, you have avoided giving in to this moment. And I also think because you have bucked this idea, that sounds like a hard-won moment of humanity to me. This was a pretty easy thing that you could have done that would have had a devastating effect on someone else potentially, and you held strong. So I think you get to wipe away your bedeviled weakness. Yay! Four days pass without incident as you head northeast. Uh, You get about halfway through the fifth day, and you know that Warway Haven is not that far. You're rolling closer and closer. What are you wanting to do exactly once you get here? I mean, sail around to where, like, the Navy shipyard is and keep an eye out for this big motherfucker of a ship. I don't think it takes too long. You see that there's actually a a fairly large gap in area between a whole lot of the docked Navy ships. And then there's one spot where there's a hell of a lot more lights in one concentrated area and a bunch of very small, like, barely sailboats kind of around low in the water, still even in the night and in the fog, kind of going this way and that around this large, well-lit shadow in the fog. What are you all doing to prepare? I think it depends on what do we want to accomplish. Are we just driving by and sinking this ship? 
Is there a raiding party to go on land and, and see what's the deal with this thing? What do we what do we want to walk away from with this? I mean, I don't know. I think I think it might be valuable to take Rife off the board, so to speak. If we don't deal with him now, he's just gonna keep coming back. Yeah, I mean I think it's not the safest, but not a bad idea to send us in as like a strike team to try and deal with Rife while the skeleton fleet is destroying this ship. I mean, if that's the case, I think that I am probably wearing the mask on the shark's insanity. Yeah. And that the big ship with all the guns is also not the one you guys are on, but you're on a smaller one that can take you to shore. Yeah, I think that's wise. That would be the down feather. Oh, that's a cute name. That would be Hell's down feather. <laughs> all right, there we go. <laughs> that sounds like a bounty hunter from like Diablo. Yes. <laughs> Is it the down feather or is it hell's down? Feather? It's just the down feather. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll ride in with the rest of the fleet. Let uh, let them start taking the brunt of the damage as we ride the down feather closer to shore and go try and take out Wraith. And I think that before we split ships, I'm going to use one of my other moves. I'm going to use Star Caller. You follow the stars, and sometimes they follow you back whenever you wish to bless a crewmate uh, or yourself spend X amount of luck and call a on the available constellation of the current season. The person I have bond with uh, is is Callahan. My options for the summer season are to bless him with Shugi, the old man, the compass, or Lice Don, which lets him get a bonus to either last word, steer, or parlay. I think I'm blessing him for last words in case things go badly for him because I don't want to lose another captain. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to spend two luck to give him two dice. Uh, in case he has to roll that move. That's awesome. I think it's worth saying, too, that over the sort of downtime that you had on your way here, if you had injuries, you've been able to heal them with salves and stuff. Um, Callahan, I think your exhausted weakness is gone as well. Cool. Um, And then I think as we make our final approach, I will get up in the crow's nest of the shark's insanity and try to twist fate. Roll with Spitfire. Seven. Uh, and I will spend this point of luck so that I can uh, so that I can answer the question as opposed to having you answer it. Yeah, absolutely. What are you going with? Uh, the weather, the wind, or the tides change. How do they help? The weather becomes humid so that there is a dense fog rolling in with us. All right, this fog springs up and rolls along with you. It grows dark, and this fog enhances it tenfold. Being the one controlling it, Sayer, you are able to see through and see the glint of lights ahead. There are many ships in this harbor at Warway Haven. You know that this is the military presence. This is where the Navy comes to have their ships repaired and clearly have some built. You're getting close and it doesn't seem like any alarms or anything else has sprung up. I'll scuttle back down uh, to the deck. All right. I think we should have very good cover now. Okay. Sayer is on the shark's insanity and has the mask, which at this point has lost about half of its feathers. The leather of it is starting to crack and crinkle as it ages. The other three of you on the down feather make your way almost silently through this fog that's muffling so much noise. The other eight ships surround you, four on each side, as you cruise into this dockyard. Ahead, you see a long line of lights in the fog that you know must be the main dock for these Navy ships. And down the length away, there's a big gap with a stretch of lights high up on what must be a massive ship. Around the water by it, you see smaller lights flitting back and forth, what must be little more than sailboats, even in this darkness and fog, still trying to work on something. You're making your final approach. I think the down feather peels off very close to making land, but doesn't reach the shore until the nightshine is blasting. The shark's insanity is still pretty far back, cutting across while the other eight ships kind of line up in, in open fire. Awesome. Sayer, you 
pretty instinctively know, being able to switch through the eyes of all of these skeletons, when you are good and close. It seems like none of these small sailboats had any idea that anything was coming close as they flit back and forth along the length of this behemoth ship. The other eight that you are directing are able to spread out evenly and get broadside on this ship. You're also able to see as the down feather sneaks along the side down closer to shore. The other three of you pull up near one of the docks and from here through the fog, you see more than a shadow. In the dim firelight coming from this ship, you see along its entire length the glint of metal. Every surface of this ship covered in some kind of steel. You're easily able to get off the boat. Could I have grabbed like a spare cutlass laying around that a skeleton isn't using? Sure. Oh, thank you, because I only have a dagger. (laughs) Sayer, you've seen them essentially dock, or at least get close enough to land to be able to jump down and and make their way towards this docked massive ship. Fire. Dozens of cannons literally ring out in perfect unison as the rending, echoing sounds of steel being shredded echo up and down this mist-filled bay. I will look at Ada and Theo. All right, we get in, we hunt for Wright, we put him down. We have until that ship is on the bottom of the bay. At that point, they've got nothing left to defend and they'll be looking for us. We'll need to head back to the Shock's Insanity to get out of here. Clear? Yeah. And I would like to use my move, Command. Uh, When you choose a goal and command your crew, spend a bond with any crew and roll plus bond spent. On a hit, they're compelled to do as you say, which I'm not really trying to take your agency away. I just want to give you the perks. On a 10 plus, choose two. On a seven to nine, choose one. As long as they're pursuing your goal and you command them, the crew gains the advantages you choose. And there's a list of things to pick from. Nice. Let's see it. Nice. So I suppose these will be two separate rolls, one for each of you to see what I can grant each of you. Okay. All right. Go ahead and roll for Ada. Well, that's a six. You can't tell me what to do. So on a six or below, your command fails, or you can take the seven to nine result, but permanently lose rank equal to the bond you spent your choice. Oh, man. I'm going to just let the command fail. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. This doesn't seem like the kind of command that I would give you, and it would permanently damage our relationship. So fair. Yeah, I've got my own plans. Let's see if this goes any better with Theo. Me now, me now. That went way, way, way better. Uh, That is a 13. Got it. So as long as you're pursuing the goal and listening to my commands, assuming you accept this compel, do you accept the compel? I forgot. What were you telling me to do? (laughs) Uh, I was telling you to look for Wrythe, and by the time that ship is down, we need to be out of here. Right. Get in Whether we get him or not. Okay. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I I don't need anything here. So, for as long as you are pursuing the goal and following my commands, uh, you get these two buffs. You can spend X bond with me and add that number to your roll even after you've rolled. And you have one temporary rank with all lackeys and nearby enemies. Wow. Jeez. Oh boy. That one's particularly good. Yeah. I wish I could have given that to Ada also. <laughs> I'll be okay. And then what? Hop off this ship and start rushing to where the destruction is looking for Wrythe. Awesome. You three make your way down the dock and see the sheer size of what truly is a, a man of war. This ship is huge. And from this close, it absolutely looks like it is completely made of steel. You're watching the whole thing like buckle and sway as it is being blasted by cannon fire from the other side. Uh, There are shouts from above as sailors are running back and forth and an alarm starts sounding from somewhere uh, aboard this ship. It's tall enough that the only way up are ladders. Um, There are rope ladders hanging down from above at like six different intervals because the ship is so large. Is there like a, I mean, basically I'm looking for the manager's office, like somewhere, (laughs) somewhere down here on or around the docks where like whoever's in charge would be while work is being done on this ship. Uh, yeah, there's wood paneling and stuff set up with just canvas over it. 
um, and it has a, a doorway that's open with some light spilling in. It's like just right off the actual walkway that leads towards the ship, still on the, the main part of the dock. I want to rush in there, pistol drawn. Okay, you burst in, and uh, a couple of people stand up quickly. They both look like dock workers, or, or at least some kind of tradesman. Um, one is a, a taller woman with dark hair. She was the one kind of sitting at the main part of the table with a quill in hand, looking over some papers. And uh, there's a small, stockier dude that seemed to be standing behind her, looking over her shoulder. And they're, they're both backpedaling a little with their hands up. Where is Vice Admiral Wright? The woman starts to look resolute about something, but sees the few of you, and she just kind of puts her hands up a little higher. I think he's on the ship. He's stayed there for the last three or four days. Uh, is there any rope or anything nearby, even that we could, like, scavenge off one of the tent flaps? Definitely. Uh, I will kind of gesture for Theo to bind them. I think I'd probably knock him out and tie him up. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need them screaming or you just like conk their heads together. No problem. You're able to do that. They like they already looked like they were starting to just sit down um, <laughs> and are just done clean knocked out. I will look at Aiden Theo. If he's on board, we should find a covered position where we can monitor the dock side of the ship. Can we see the dock side of the ship from this tent? Yeah, you sure can. Um, you can see the length of the, you know, the, the stretch of dock that leads along the side of the, the ship. Um, so you are just closest to stern. Oh, well, then this will do nicely, I suppose. What if we stayed here and then can I try and twist fate to draw him away from all of the other sailors that are, are trying to figure out what's going on and defend the ship and, and kind of isolate him? Yeah, if you if you think you want to go for it, go ahead and roll that Spitfire. All right. Damn it. She did not look pleased. That's a four. No. <gasps> yeah, I, I just don't think in this pressured situation that you see anything that would help or catch his eye more than what's already happening. Like every few seconds, there's a fresh wave of these in unison cannon blasts and this massive metal ship rocks to the side. You hear fresh screams, cries of pain, panic, orders being called from above and the, the firelight up there is flickering. Um, it just, it just seems like anything you might do or see down here is inconsequential. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him away down here. We might have to board and try and find him. I don't know. I don't know how we could get him away. Wright is the captain of this ship. He'll be the last one off it. If we want to follow Theo's plan and board and use the chaos, we get back on the down feather and we climb the mast and we ram that shit. Yes! And then we come in above deck height. I, I love that idea as long as we can. I mean, that's our ride back to the shark's insanity. So if we can figure out how to get uh, get back to Sayer fast enough or figure out how to get him to get us. Hell yeah, let's ram it. Um, okay, start rushing back to the down feather. Yep. Okay, there is literally nobody out here to pay attention to you because there are more important things going on. Uh, I will give you that down the length of the docks, you know, it's still covered in mist, but you do see the lights ahead and you are hearing more and more sirens going off in the distance. Uh, I'll get back on board and get in front of one of the skeletons <laughs> and just start like waving my hands in front of its face and going like, Sarah, Sarah, raise raise the skeleton's left hand if you can hear me. Sarah. It raises. We're going to use this ship to ram into the big one. It's probably not going to survive the experience. Can you draw one of the fleet off of the main attack back over here to pick us up? I tell it to shrug and nod. <laughs> and it does. Good enough. Can you tell them to ram this thing into the big ship, please? We'll be on the mast. I do. The ship springs into action as you all crawl up the mast. Oh boy. You're all pretty close, so I think it's kind of a, a slow maneuver. Like, it's not going to get this huge running start, but it'll do what you need, I think. Uh, as it cruises around and collides with uh, the stern of the ship, like the only spot at this moment that you could possibly come in without getting blasted by cannon fire. Theo, this seems like your wheelhouse. Count us down. All right, get ready. Three. Wait, wait, wait. Are we going on one? Or are we going out? Go! <laughs> <laughs> okay, Theo, I think this is just going to work for the group here. Go ahead and roll 
break in. So the move is break in or out. When you see an opening to break in or out, roll plus blood. On a hit, you've gotten in or out. And choose one. On a seven to nine, the fates will also choose one. Uh, the list is you suffer harm or weakness. You hop from the frying pan into the fire. You lose track of something important. Or you leave evidence or attract attention. All right, so plus blood. That's an eight. If I can spend both of the advantages that I got from the command that Jake had rolled, um, I think I'll do that to bump this up to a 10. I think that you can. Okay, so I'll spend the the one bond I have with Callahan since he's kind of uh, trusting me to facilitate this break-in. And then I will spend my one temporary rank with nearby enemies so the the crew of this of this ship and use that plus one uh against them to okay so you'll use that for the stumble yes i love it so what is your one pick from the break-in list i guess i'll go you hop from the frying pan into the fire okay so you land on what is essentially the top of the captain's quarters, which is huge. And as you do so, yet another fresh wave of cannon fire echoes from out in the mist, slamming into this ship. And I mean, it's been dozens and dozens that have been hitting it. For the first time, a a wave of cannon fire echoes out of this ship, firing out into the darkness. But this massive ship that you're on is starting to tilt heavily to starboard. You hear wrenching sounds, just the creaking and cracking of metal falling apart in this thing's guts, and it is tilting fast. You know that you have a minute, minutes at most, to do what you're going to do if you want to do it not in the ocean. Sayer. Everything's chill. (laughs) Everything looks fine. It's chill. I didn't realize how much of a pain this was. Yes, reload. Fire again, for fuck's sake. There's got to be a way to set commands on these things. (laughs) Where's the (laughs) hotkey? Where are my macros? (laughs) As a fresh wave of cannon fire hits this massive ship, you hear a much louder creaking and cracking from it. You know that you've been able to coordinate some serious hits to this thing's structural integrity. But you also, even from this distance out, even not through the senses of these skeletons that you're controlling... You can hear the sirens uh, and alarms up and down the docks. And from ahead, the stretch of ships that are lit up far ahead are starting to move. Uh, You know that it's slow at the moment. They're getting everything rigged and, and trying to pull out of the docks, but they are slowly starting to head this way. Oh boy, I'm I'm gonna reach out again and I'm gonna try to grab a hold of the weather. Okay, roll that twist fate. Nine. Boy, I'm going to keep eating these. I think I'm going to spend the luck so I can answer my own question. Awesome. And the weather changes. Uh, The wind starts blowing the opposite direction that they are trying to move to get to us. You are watching in real time as the lights ahead, like, lurch. And they were already slow. They're barely moving at this point as this massive wind comes in. What that does mean on that side is that the fog at that portion of the bay is starting to clear. Yeah, and I think that's okay now. I'm actually okay with them seeing the owl's ships. But I think that there's a moment of this energy is coursing through to move the wind and, and controlling all these skeletons. And it feels very good in a way that some part of him is like uncomfortable with but i i kind of let out a laugh as the wind shifts yes right your monstrosity is going to be at the bottom of this fucking bay <laughs> callahan theo ada the ship is tilting heavily but you're right above the captain's quarters from here the light is enough that you can see clearly what's going on as these navy men are, are running back and forth some trying to man cannons and fire wildly into the dark others just abandoning ship some trying to rig up this and that to keep the thing afloat but it, it's clearly not working nobody seems to be looking up here what do you want to do i want to break through the floor into the ceiling of the captain i was quarters. hoping you were gonna say that hell yeah her fists are siege weapons your fists are to harm close weapons 
When you want to bust through something, take the angry or bloodthirsty weakness and roll plus blood. Uh, on a hit, you destroy any object in your way. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. Hell yeah, yes. roll it. That's an eight. On a seven to nine, you destroy something you didn't intend or harm yourself in the process. Your choice. Which is it gonna be? Uh, I'll 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 take some harm. This that seems valid. <laughs> okay, I think you do take one harm from this, um, because you realize that the thin layer of what you're on is actually also metal. So I think the damage you're taking from this is just like the shards of this metal that you've punched in, scraping along your arms. Um, but you have a clean hole to down below. You see a light in this big room. Here's our entrance, and I'll, I'll jump down into the hole. Before you do that, I would like to throw an explosive in. Yeah, that should probably oh happen gosh. before I jump in. Good idea. <laughs> I start to jump in, and I take a step back. Uh, okay, I think roll your strike or shoot. God. Oh no, oh no. What? Three. Luckily, I've blessed you for last words. <laughs> <laughs> I hear in my head. <laughs> you throw this bomb, and it catches the lip of the hole and bounces across to the other lip and back and forth two or three more times, circling that rended metal down into the cabin. It finally starts to tilt and fall in and explodes at all of your feet. Tides is a Crit Show Studios production. This episode edited and produced by Brendan Wentz, with music by Jake Purley. You can find the Ashcan for Rapscallion at magpiegames.com. You can learn more about The Crit Show at thecritshowpodcast.com and hear even more weekly content at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is Yanni, and welcome to Season 2 of Harlem Queen. Thank you for listening. The season picks up with the search for Michelle. You are listening to the Floyd J. Calvin program. And now, straight to the headlines. Manhattan debutante and socialite Michelle Mondesir has been kidnapped from her Connecticut boarding school. There is a tri-state search for Mademoiselle Mondesir, who is 15 years of age, Caucasian, and was last seen yesterday evening going to her dormitory. Stephanie is frantic and she risks all in order to find her missing daughter. We will find Michelle. There are troopers all along the New Jersey and Pennsylvania highways. That's not enough. Madame Stephanie St. Clair posted a $10,000 reward for information that leads to the safe return of Ms. Mondesir. You need to take down your reward, Stephanie. I will not. Those no-good couples are already saying she's dead. The connection between the debutante and the numbers queen is unclear. And Stephanie still has to contend with Luciano and Schultz plotting to push her out of her own turf. Word on the street is that it's Schultz. Who cares about a lost colored girl? This one is white. Fifth Avenue debutant, a lot of money, well connected. And I want to find out why Stephanie is so fixated on the girl. Stephanie is highly invested in her safe return. What do you need me to do? I need you to cheese it. What about Sinclair? You tried to clip her twice. Is she pushing up daisies? No. We're going to get her another way. Even Halstein is suspicious. Is he truly a friend or a foe? She's putting herself behind the eight ball. There's something more there, and I need to find out. In the meantime, someone has to earn the money she's deciding not to earn. You have no power in this case, Stephanie. In fact, you're a liability. I will do 
everything in my power to get her home safe and sound. Listen up for season two. Harlem Queen is a recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Creative Engagement Grant. And once we all get through this safe and sound, we will have a live radio show of Harlem Queen this fall. More episodes to come. Take good care and stay well. Thank you.